Welcome to the Pop Culture Cosmos. And we're back with another episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos. It's Cheryl Glasser coming right back at you here for the Pop Culture Cosmos. Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, and Game Source. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review wherever you get your podcast. Plus, if you could like, share, subscribe. Subscribe today to get the latest notifications on when we go live with the latest Pop Culture Cosmos, Data Pro Wrestling, PCC Multiverse, and more right here on the Pop Culture Cosmos channels. And of course, Go ahead and support us, popculturecosmos.wordpress.com. Like our Facebook page, because if you do, we throw all the latest tidbits that are right there for you at the Pop Culture Cosmos on Facebook. Don't forget our friends at Vampires and Vitae. And of course, do your holiday shopping today at the Happy Hoarders right there for you at happyhoardercollectibles.com. But it wouldn't be a pop culture cosmos without my good friend. He is the mastermind behind all your holiday shopping at the happy hoarder, happy hoarder collectibles.com. Of course, is a good man. Indeed. It is of course, Josh Peterson and Josh. Great to have you here. Since we last had our issues with the internet gremlins, it looks like the sag after strike is done. It looks like the projects will get underway. We will still feel it in the entertainment world for some some time to come. But the future is now looking better in the entertainment world for now. Yeah, actually, I'm curious what the what the terms were. Has anyone like written about exactly what happened or is it just kind of all guesswork right now? Well, I noticed that uh, that when it came down to it, as they were getting closer to an agreement, the the final issues were coming down to AI. I think the part is for money uh, in regards to future funding, uh, streaming rights, streaming payments, as far as that's concerned, that became more or became less of an issue. And AI, not to the regular actors out there, but to the higher profile actors came into a little bit more of a, a, a situation where higher profile actors, let's, let's throw it, I'll just throw like Robert Downey Jr. for an example where I think the issues between the studios and the SAG-AFTRA union was that the studios wanted more control of the higher profile actors. They were, okay, we'll give it to you guys on as far as, you know, the regular character actors and not scanning them and using them forever as far as for background shots. Okay, we'll go ahead and maybe stay away from that, but we want to go ahead and have our stars available to us for the next millennia going forward. And I think they were able to come to some sort of agreement on that because that was pretty much what I was reading was the last and final sticking point before an agreement was made. See, that is, that's kind of, still kind of messed up though. I mean, <clears throat> yeah, it's good that the, the average Joe isn't going to have their face like saved and used, but uh, the higher profile actors, like what, I'm curious how the how the the money for that works. Like when the actor passes away, like we had, um, you know, whatever that guy's name from Star Wars, and then they they did that, like some CG scenes of Leia. I think how does that work as far as the the estate goes? That's the thing. It should always be up to the estate. And I was talking about this with Melinda on the last show. Is that uh, if there's this, you know, let's say we become famous or whatnot, and and you know 
it should be up to my, you know, uh, my estate, the people who handle you know, my, my relatives, the people who are in charge of my likeness down mm-hmm. the road, a hundred years from now, whether or not somebody comes with a project and say, I would love to use like an AI version of Gerald to help tell this story. It should be always up to the estate to say whether or not yes or no. It should never be up to the studio to go ahead and decide someone else's fate just because they appeared in a movie a hundred years prior. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I don't think that's right at all. Uh, Again, that's what I was inferred as far as from the news outlets before they went as far as to a final agreement on that. I have to see what the fine tooth, the fine print is going to say in regards to that, as far as when you, you know, you go ahead and look at through the, uh, the, the, I's that are dotted and the T's are crossed. If it finally is, you know, the fact that the AI issue has been put to rest in favor of the actors, and we'll see if that comes to, to fruition. But because I haven't heard any real gripes from the actors in regards to that status since an agreement has been made. But again, that probably comes out in the wash over the next few days, weeks, and months. So if we hear anything otherwise, we'll report it right here at the Pop Culture Cosmos. But it is going to be a great episode. I do want to mention. HappyHorderCollectibles.com. If you need your shopping today done in the world of pop culture, you got to go ahead and check out the brand new updated site for Happy Hoarder Collectibles, including a discount code, which gets you some money. Amen. Amen. Savings for you. But Josh will mention that to you at the end of tonight's show. Go ahead and tell you about that. But got a lot of things to talk about, but we are happy that the SAG after strike is over again. There's all this work to catch up on, all the films, all the TV projects, everything related to it that was put to a halt. That's going to take a while to catch up. And we already saw with what's going on with Marvel, that's going to be something where next year, Marvel will only have one film right now on the slate for next year in Deadpool 3. That might be actually a good thing because the first news item I want to go ahead and touch on is the Marvels. The Marvels opened this past weekend. It is the 32nd Marvel movie in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And my friend, we talked about how the disappointing returns eventually happened for Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania earlier this year. This actually trounces that. In fact, it did not have a good opening weekend. In fact, it is the absolute worst. Think of the Eternals, you know, any of these other movies that have come out in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Nah, they're better than the marvels the marvels comes out to the worst opening in marvel cinematic universe history so i want to hear your thoughts on this my friend as i bring out the numbers here the next time i'll talk with about 47 million dollars domestically and a little bit over 110 i think uh worldwide that's uh you know for a 300 million dollar movie my friend and the fact that the marvel cinematic universe is writing on this we'll talk about loki season two here in a second but this is bad news for the MCU, my friend. And you know what's weird? This is it's crazy because so I haven't read any of the reviews. I don't know because I'm trying not to spoil it for myself because eventually I am going to watch this movie. But as so am I'm, I, yeah, right. And I'm looking at all the scores. I'm seeing like there, it's like eights, nines, tens all across the board. And then I'm hearing all this stuff about how bad the movie is. Uh, the Metacritic, uh, be it, wait, let me correct you on that. It's dependent on where you go, my friend. The Metacritic right now is a 51 out of 100. 
Okay, because I was looking at like IGN gave it a nine, and I think like Polygon has real good things to say about it. Yeah, and go to the Metacritic are... page; you'll see all over as far as newspapers, as far as other outlets. Uh, they have given us, you know, I've seen zeros, I've seen twenties, I've seen thirties, and I've seen eighties and nineties. So this is all over the place. So right in the middle, this is absolutely fifty-one, fifty-two scores the overall average on that from Metacritic and. I think that's uh, pretty much where it stands. It's so the, the the division in what people think of this movie. Yeah, absolutely. It's going to be interesting to see. But again, best way to do it is to judge for yourself. Right, right. But my point is, is this, though, like, is are people now at the point where they're trying to find good things about Marvel movies and they're not coming organically? Like, oh, man, well, this is uh... a... <clears throat> Not a great movie, but at least it's a movie featuring so-and-so. You think we're at that point now? We're getting close to it, my friend. I mean, we just come off of uh, also as well season two of Loki, which we'll talk about here in a second. Uh, that was hit or miss, although it ended up on a very high note. A lot of people are praising the ending of that series, which most likely will be the end of that series. I don't think it, if it does come out to a season three it's like they're shoehorning it in because they really ended it on a very good organic note for the loki character possibly for ever i don't know you have to take a you have to i don't know if he if he ever comes back from this which they might get the temptation to do it it might not be the best thing because it seems like his character organically finished on a great note but they've had some really bad bad deals in the mcu lately i mean secret invasion was bad let's just put it out there if you watched it it was bad ant-man and the wasp quantum mania was underwhelming so they've just made some poor choices yeah. they made some poor quality films the eternals i know is really disappointing to a lot of people as well and yeah it, it just goes back to moon knight we were not uh thrilled with moon knight some people are some people aren't uh, i'm not one of those that enjoyed moon knight uh, miss marvel was there it just really wasn't that inspiring to me but then again it was probably not catered to my age demographic it was catered to i think probably a younger audience for the, especially for for miss marvel and i hear that of all the people in the movie that miss marvel is the character that you want to follow the most as far as in this movie yeah, that's what I saw too. I was reading, you know, just little snippets about people saying that she is, they're kind of trying to set her up as a, like the future of the female led MCU. They want to do the young Avengers, basically, is what they're trying yeah. to do. Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, sorry. What, well, what I mean is like she's supposed to be like the, the, you know, the, how Black Widow was set up to be like the, yes, you know, the female powerhouse in the MCU. So, I mean, and, and I'm okay with that. I mean, I don't, I don't dislike her character. I didn't like the show, but I, I didn't dislike her character. Mm -hmm. I, and I, again, it just comes down to the point where when, it, when you have such a terrible opening, it sends a message, it sends a message when you spend so much money. This is going to be a bomb any which way you say it because 300 million dollars and it's it probably won't even come close to making anywhere near not even breaking even it probably it probably will actually lose quite a bit well over probably 150 200 million dollars when all is said and done and that to me is something disney's had a lot of those disney's either had breakout successes or breakout failures and it seems like it's just one or the other right now with disney and it that's not a good sign, you know, consistently that they were making money 
hand over fist for years in the movie scene, that's not happening anymore for them as well. Well, it kind of makes you wonder, though, like, what's going on? What's happening? Because I know there is, from what I've read, there's some tension between Iger and Feige over, like, what's causing some of these Marvel failures. That's why Feige's been doing, you know, rewrites on a lot of things. But what, you know, at, at its core, is it Feige that's doing it or is it studio expectation, do you think? Well, if we were able to go ahead and give him praise for over a decade because he was overseeing all this, my friend, he is making yeah. the final call on this. It's not Disney. It's not Iger. It's him. You know, he's been given carte blanche after the success of Endgame to go ahead and see the next phase of this as he sees fit. And so far... Something has happened after Endgame where it's just like, okay, you think of it like a retail store. In your retail store, you have, you, let's say you're doing well, you're doing well, and then you're at the peak. You run this great sale and you get more customers in than you could ever imagine. And then you talk about, okay, what comes next? What do we need to do next to bring them in back again? And what yeah. comes next for Kevin Feige has not worked out so well. It's been disoriented. I know some of that could be attributed to COVID. I get that. I understand that. But a lot of that has to do with the quality of the products. Because if the quality of product was good, then no matter how much COVID put everything in disarray, people would still be clamoring for your projects. And unfortunately, that doesn't seem to be the case right now. Well, it makes me wonder, too. Like, Endgame was so – was it was massive, you know? Yes. Like, it was, it was a major pop culture event. So – are we at a point now where he just doesn't know where to go now? That's the peak that you could say, looking back in history, that could be said eventually that that was the peak of what superhero <laughs> films would be. Well, that's what I'm at. Yeah, exactly. So like, you know, it is, have we reached the end of the superhero cinema era? I don't think so. I think there'll always be one or two or three you know, superhero movies that come every once in a while that that will garner that kind of inform, you know, just that kind of interest. I mean, for instance, like the the Christopher Nolan movies, you know, mm -hmm. that's something as far as the black, you know, the Dark Knight and and the Batman Begins and and Dark Knight Rises, that trilogy of Batman films, that would have succeeded in any type of situation because oh uh, yeah that, and remember that came at a time where superhero films were persona non grata for the most part at that point in time after the failures of the early 2000s so i think that it all depends on the type of film like let's i will see if joker 2 when joker 2 comes out if that's a failure then i might reach your 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 understanding on that as far as that possibility that superhero movies are dead but you can see with even guardians of the galaxy volume 3 that's still scored over $800 million. So there's still money to be had. It just needs to be under the right circumstances. Yeah, yeah, right. And also, you know, it might have something to do with the fact, too, that, like, I don't, you know, I don't mean this to sound disrespectful, but I don't, I don't know many people who really came out of the first Captain Marvel movies thinking, like, oh, man, that was a, a great movie. And I don't think it has anything to do with, like, Brie Larson or anything, but I just think it... Those movies just well, aren't... I think a little bit has to do it because people were complaining she didn't smile enough or didn't show enough uh -huh. emotion. I think yeah. over the course of time, and, and I said this to Melinda, I think that that her performance and comfortability with the role has improved dramatically, similar to what we saw with Thor. Thor was very wooden and Shakespearean-like in the first 
few times around when it came to Thor and he came more comfortable with it. Now he might've gone off the rails, which you have said, because it became too comedic for you and a lot of other people, especially with the last Thor, but he grew more into the role. I think when it comes to Captain Marvel, she Brie Larson's grown more into the role, but unfortunately maybe people just not liking what's been written around her. Yeah. Yeah. I, I agree. Cause you know, personally, like, and it's nothing, you know, nothing against the character itself. I just, I've never gone out of my way to read the Captain Marvel comic book. So I'm, you know, I'm not as familiar with the character and the mythology, but I feel like if she was really like a, you know, a Marvel, a staple of Marvel, we, we would have seen, she would be in a lot more comic books than she's actually in. So I, I think they're, she's, she's just not, um, you know, Gardens of the Galaxy had a, a great writing team. You know, they were unknown characters, but they had a great writing team and the characters were very, uh, uh, interesting you know you wanted to see them develop and i think captain marvel is kind of she's kind of a cardboard character what are your thoughts out there on the big time failure the biggest failure ever at the box office for an opening weekend for a marvel movie in the marvels please let us know your thoughts we are very sad and disappointed that that's happened but what is now the future for the mcu everything is changing and it may not be for the best for marvel cinematic universe fans out there so please let us know your thoughts pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com for the latest news and information analysis and opinions on the los angeles lakers and the nba check out the lakers fast break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts Well, my friend, speaking of Marvel, I can say that maybe there is some bright light. Maybe there is some hope because of what's going to go hopefully down future for the Marvel Cinematic Universe. We've talked about all the changes that have been made in regards to the latest changes by the MCU behind the scenes. But what happened at the end of Loki season two with Tom Hiddleston's character, Loki, who again just did a fantastic job himself in the show wasn't given the greatest material especially on the front part became a little bit too talkative and a little bit over everyone's head in regards to the structure in regards to the time variance and the time loop and the you know just just the whole thing of the the structure the way it was built and the way they had to just continually explain things to you during the first few episodes but once it really got back into the action and really got back into telling a story in regards to what they needed to do it became a lot better and then ultimately led to the fact that loki had to make an ultimate sacrifice himself or this variant of loki because the 616 loki met an untimely end in avengers endgame but this variant for loki is become a big time hero which is something that I think, what, 13 years ago or 12 years ago, when the first time we saw Loki on screen and Thor, we'd never imagined. Yeah, he, his character has definitely developed a lot more than most of the characters in the MCU. I mean, I would say Iron Man's character is probably the most developed, but yeah, Loki's kind of come full circle, hasn't he? I mean, he, he went from being this... Uh, I don't know, selfish, I guess I would say. We knew what his motives were, but he was he was he was selfish and deceitful. And now he's kind of become, 
I guess the the archetype of a hero. So, you know, no knowing that I don't I don't see them putting his character to rest. I don't see him I would I hope see... not, but it sure looks like they they need to the way they organically finished it off at the end of season two. That's all I'll say. Right, but I don't know. Or at like, least that like, variant. How about that? That variant. That ver- but that's the variant that everybody likes, you know. Like I, I I'm not. Se- there's gonna be some kind of thing, like a plot twist, you know. And he's gonna end up coming back into the MCU. He'll see Thor again. It, it'll be it'll be a thing, you know. I just it's- I don't I don't see his character going away though. The thing is though, I mean he. <laughs> Uh, if you go into spoilers, and I will go into slight spoilers, just he makes an ultimate sacrifice and now is basically in order to save all the different time branches that are out there, all the different time frames that are out there. There's, you know, there was just one sacred timeline that that was only going to be saved, but he managed to go ahead and save all the other timelines uh, that was involved, basically by sacrificing himself in order to do so but now he is burdened with the task of maintaining all of these timelines going forward and in doing so it just seems like you know i don't know where that goes from here unless unless you do something to just throw all those timelines out of whack once again which what they did before so it just seems like whatever they do to bring him back which would be a great for the fans out there Unfortunately, it just seems like it would be like shoehorning them back into the story in the Marvel Cinematic Universe. Yeah, but whatever they're whatever they're ending, whatever they end up doing with Kang, I think they could use that as a as a way to bring him back. Okay, that's true because they still plan as of this time, as of our recording, they're still planning to utilize Jonathan Majors in some way. I don't know if, if it's going to be continuous past the Kang Dynasty. This the Mar the Avengers five the Avenger, the fifth Avengers movie. I don't know if it will actually be anything beyond that, but I, as of now, they plan to utilize Jonathan Majors Kane character going forward to a point. I don't know if they're going to continue that beyond because of the the financial returns and ratings returns have not been what they they wanted it to be. So you're right. They in order to go ahead and tell the better story as far as how to move on from somebody different than King, they may, they may need Loki to go ahead and help tell it. You know, what's crazy though. Like they, they, there's an easy way to turn things around, you know, use Kang. That's fine. But like people are clamoring for more Tobey Maguire or more Andrew Garfield. Uh, they did a good thing with Wolverine, you know, bringing him into Deadpool. Like there is a way to bring people back to make people interested again. And they know it, they know what the fans want. They just got to do it. They just got to do it indeed. So, again it ended up the series on a very good note and i was very pleased the way it ended up again started out a little bit over everyone's head and just became very explanatory and it it kind of bogged itself down at the beginning but once they were able to tell the story the way they should it, it became something very good indeed and then of course it sets up the tva for some interaction with deadpool coming up next year in the only Marvel Cinematic Universe movie to come out next year, at least it's on the schedule right now because they've moved all the other ones off the schedule. Are you uh, happy that there's only going to be one Marvel movie next year, my friend, in Deadpool 3 coming out as of now in late July? Uh, I mean, kind of. It'll give me a chance to play catch up, but I also don't think that it's going to stay that way. I'm sure we'll see 
other things shifted and moved around because the 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 strike literally just ended so i think they're trying to figure out like oh hey well what what can we push out at what time like what it was are they're trying to re reassess their timelines i think so I, i'm we'll probably get at least one more marvel film coming out in 2024 what are your thoughts out there on season two of loki did it end up well for you and do you like where or do you like what happened to the character of loki who would now by a lot of people's estimations is one of the most beloved characters in the marvel cinematic universe would you like to see him come back again this variant that seems so popular with everybody out there so please let us know your thoughts on loki season two pop culture cosmos at yahoo.com but my friend before we hit the break i wanted to know if you've gotten a chance to go ahead and check out the specs and the pricing for the steam oled deck which was surprisingly announced in the middle of last week and surprisingly released here in the not too distant future so what are your thoughts on on the steam oled deck a i, I guess a successor so to speak a half step uh from the original steam deck that came out a couple years ago your thoughts on the steam the oled deck that looks very nice indeed yeah it looks really cool and i you know i've been impressed with the steam deck it, it's it's a lot better than I imagined it would be. You know, at first I thought it was just going to be like a little handheld laptop, but it it has a lot more power than people realize. And you know, just the the versatility of the of the Steam platform itself, like everything available on it and what you can do with it, you know, it's not locked up. You can actually, you know, put your emulators and whatnot on there too and uh, eventually you're supposed to be able to access games pass i think the steam deck is like the king of the handhelds right now the problem is it's just um it's not re it's not readily available and it's still just a little bit more expensive than the switch but you know that being said if you're in the market for something handheld and you have the funds for it the steam deck i think is definitely the better deal now well, it's still over $500, my friend. It's still over what a console costs. Uh, I believe, right. let me get you the pricing right there. It's uh, $549 for the entry level, $649 for a one terabyte version of it. Uh, although you will need additional memory uh, or at least hard drive space because you know, as I know, the Steam games don't ever skimp on as far as trying to go ahead and weigh down a lot, unless you play a little lot off the cloud. So there's also a limited edition transparent 679 model as well that's uh, going to be, I think, very, very much sought after. So, I, again, what Steam does, Steam does well. And I think that even though there's still what the Rogue Ally and some others that have come out, which have a little bit better specs than the base model of what we've seen with the Steam Deck, it's still, it's the Steam Deck is a known quality. Steam is a known quality in the PC gaming world. And that's why I think that Steam and the Steam Deck will still continue to thrive in this marketplace. Oh, absolutely. And I, I've, you know, looking at it too, I think that the Steam Deck, if it were more affordable, it could really be a, a huge thing for the esports industry too, because you know, a lot of people like to play on PCs, especially with like League of Legends and, uh, you know, the Steam Deck is capable of running something like that. So that could be that could be big. It's just got to be, you know, more friendly to people's wallets. Absolutely. I agree with you on that. So I don't know. I just I just think that it'd be something that I really would be interested in. But oh my gosh, 
to i don't know if we do enough see we say the same things about the steam deck that we do about the nintendo switch do you play it enough on the go it seems like a lot of people they like the idea and the concept of having this portable device like we did with the vita when it originally came out like we did only the game boy and obviously the iterations of therein that we've seen the Nintendo DS were really the games that that really the consoles that actually really transcended people's interest because of the fact that people did go on the moves with it because of the size of them. I still think the size gets uh, away from people on that because, for instance, with the Switch, you know, it's not something you could really put in your pocket comfortably and things of that nature. Same thing with the Steam Deck, but the DS. And, and that was obviously something that we saw that people could just put in their pockets and go. So I don't know. There's still, even though, the, the of course, we have the Nintendo Switch, you know, selling well over 100 million units. I still think that will still be thought of as a home console, first and foremost. And I still think the same about what we're seeing with the Steam Deck. Steam Deck will be played mostly by people in their home. Yeah, I guess it's, you know, that's true. It's kind of a cheap alternative to a gaming PC. So that's... Yeah you know you're you're probably right there yeah and you know i i agree with the handheld gaming like look at game i think game boy and nintendo ds is when you know all that stuff was in its prime and that's because people had time to go places and play games and you know they had more time to relax i mean i would i would not be surprised if console gaming hours have drastically decreased in the last five years because you know look at the state of look at, look at the state of like the economy right now right like we're people have to work two jobs to support themselves and things are crazy expensive so how much time do people have to really sink into into gaming these days what are your thoughts out there on the brand new steam deck oled version is it going to be something you're going to pick up this holiday season please let us know your thoughts popculturecosmos at yahoo.com what is planet cool stuff it's your ultimate destination for insightful exploration from the realm of pop culture Delve into the world of movies, video games, toys, cartoons, and visit with one-of-a-kind creators, discover incredible places, and see historical artifacts. Whether it's a toy room tour or exploring the best of pop culture cinema, Planet Cool Stuff has got you covered. Planet Cool Stuff, exclusively on Jinx Esports TV Canada. My friend, one half hour down, one half hour to go here on the Pop Culture Cosmos this this is really what I wanted to talk to you about. Okay, the SAG after strike ending. That you know, obviously, I wanted to hear your thoughts on that. The Marvels being the MCU's worst ever opening. Obviously, I wanted to talk to you about that. Loki season two and the Steam Deck. But what I really wanted to talk to you about, my friend, was Call of Duty: Modern Warfare Three, which debuted on Friday. And it was so funny because I was uh, doing something else at Walmart and I was going through the electronics section. I was expecting a huge line. I was expecting a huge line waiting there back, like back in the old days, expecting a huge line in front of the game, the GameStop there, you know, that's right across the street. Nothing, my friend, nothing at all. It's just a bunch of digital cards. I didn't even see physical copies on the first day, on the first few moments you could sell at the world's largest retailer, the copies of what will most undoubtedly be the most popular game in the U.S., if not the world, for this holiday season, and that is Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. 
How weird is that, my friend? I just saw digital cards. You just go and pick up the card, you buy it, and then you just digital download. Just seems to me so weird. And I, I texted you this, and it was just because I was just so fascinated on where we've come from where we've been because of the fact that we are no longer in a physical world, which, again, affects you a little bit more than me on this. I'm okay a little bit more buying digital. I get it. I understand it. But still, the fact is of someone who used to run video game stores, not a whole, well, actually it was about 15 years ago. Okay, so it's been 15 years. Still, it's kind of strange that nobody is clamoring for a physical copy of even the most popular video game IP right now. Yeah, um, that that is that is interesting. You, you know, Walmart is also, from what I'm reading, Walmart is also heading towards carrying less games, less media. Uh, the Walmart up by us has actually condensed a lot of their things down to just a few sections now. So I honestly think that we are 2024 is going to be a turning point and we are going to be heading into that all digital future, which really makes me sad. It's unfortunate, but I don't know, man. I don't know. Like the, you, you would expect right of, of all games that call of duty would be, um, would be something that people would be picking up physical copies of, but then again, like is is Call of Duty going the way that Halo is going, where they're trying to make one platform and they're just kind of adding on to it over and over again? I like a live service know. because live right. service is the key word, as uh, we heard last week with Sony saying, "Well, our next twelve live service projects, only six of them are really going to go off as planned. The other six are still in question." So I'm like, because we're going in on all live service. Warner Brothers, the head of Warner Brothers Games, said we're going in all in on live service games live service my friend live live service is the key so you're right with the future now of activision in the hands of xbox because they now officially own the activision brand and this is the first call of duty that's being released under the xbox banner isn't it funny that now live service is now the key and you're talking about one of the stalwarts of an individual service that has tried to profit itself on both a live service and a traditional video game selling platform. You know, and part of me wonders with this, like, did has have they done market research? Do people want all digital games or are we just, you know, is it a cost-cutting thing? Because I think it's more of that than anything else. Or are they mad? Because like I know Nintendo doesn't like the fact that their games, when they're sold secondhand, you know, they, like the the stuff that they don't sell anymore, like the, your 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 original Nintendo copies of Final Fantasy or Metroid or whatever. I know that they don't like the fact that people pay a premium for them and they don't see any of that money. So well, I, I wonder get, yeah, if that and, has... Mario copies that sell for hundreds and hundreds and thousands right, and thousands right. of dollars. Yes, I can understand that. Or even in some case, millions of dollars for the rarest of Mario games. Right, exactly. Okay, okay, but I guess like with Call of Duty though, I I don't know, Modern Warfare there are I know we ask this every year, but are people still interested in the Call of Duty brand or are there other games out there like the uh the Fortnites and the Apex Legends and uh the Overwatches that are kind of a better place for gamers to go? Well, when it comes to Fortnite, I will say, and this was something, if had you been, uh, we had gotten through our show last week, it's something I would have talked about 
how it had seen declining numbers in the past couple of years. They recently laid off a lot of people at Epic in regards to, uh, you know, I think over 100 individuals that they laid off recently because of the slowdown in interest in Fortnite. But they recently brought out their OG season that they had recently, as we talked, you know, about a, a little over a week ago. I was going to actually talk about this on the show. And their numbers were as big, if not bigger in some cases, than they were before at their height for a period. Now, they haven't been able to sustain those numbers, but people were still coming into playing Fortnite. So it can have those batches where it still becomes the most premium played game on the universe. And you talk about, like you said, all the other live service free-to-play games that are, you know, Genshin Impact, so many other games that are out there that really have done a great number and have a sustainable base. Plus you have other games like, uh, you know, that have really garnered an interest so far this holiday season, because this is one of the best video game years of all time. And hello, cool bro. Shout out to you, my friend, truly appreciate you joining us here at the pop culture cosmos. But when it comes right down to it, my friend, call of duty still matters. There's still those people like a Madden. Why does Madden still sell? Why does FIFA still sell? because you, people come in year in year out to buy their games but do they i mean do they still sell like are people are people still interested Man still finished in number one in august so you tell me my friend fifa still finished up there in september so you tell me yeah that's yeah, it or it i should say fifa ea sports soccer fc whatever it is now because you can't say fifa now with ea <laughs> i feel like we're about to hit a point though where these like big franchise games are going away are going to start going away because look at, look at these indie games. Some of these indie games coming out are critically acclaimed. They're just as big, if not bigger than some of these major Alan titles. Wake two, Alan Wake two. Yeah. But even like some of like Sony's, you know, Sony did their indie showcase and some of those games are, are, have been amazing. Same thing with Xbox. Like there, there've been a lot of like heavy hitters coming out on indie platforms and we're, you know, and how many people are still sitting by going like, oh, I can't wait for the next Halo or I can't wait for the next Call of Duty or I can't wait for, you know, whatever to come out. And they're how long until they find these indies and they, um, you know, decide to maybe skip out on some of these bigger titles that they've gone to year after year. Well, I'll tell you what, though, my friend, uh, when it comes to what we're seeing with Call with Call of Duty, I'll just say this. And then, cool, bro, we'll talk about Pet Cemetery here in a sec, my friend. Uh, so glad that you, you're enjoying it and glad that you are, are seeing it for probably what it is. You're right. It When you read through Pet Cemetery, you know, it's something like more dark and scary. I think it's it's more dark than scary. I think that's probably what the best way to say it. That's that's a lot of what we see with Stephen King novels. Is, is I tell darkness. you the ending of that book, man. Yes. Still, see, still... Cobra though, he loves COD. He loves COD. And the thing is, there's still so many players. Josh, I will say this: Call of Duty Modern Warfare Three released out this past weekend. I will say this. It came out and the reviews for the single single player campaign are the lowest in its Call of Duty history. It absolutely gets gets gotten trashed all over the place. IGN gave it a four. Other outlets have given it even worse scores. It is thought to be one of the worst Call of Duty campaigns ever. On top of that, release day comes and the 
maps in some cases weren't even up for hours before Activision had to take several multiplayer maps down because of the spawn points. They were spawning people right on top of each other and being easy fodder for whoever was sniping them on the other side. And this was not just one. This was not just two. This was several maps that were taken down or adjusted because of that. So this launch is probably going to go down in the history of Call of Duty as probably the worst technical or critical, critically received launch in Call of Duty's history. But do I bet here in Vegas that it's not going to be the number one selling game of the year? I am not going to bet against that, my friend. I am not going to bet against Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3 from being the number one game this year but the gap between call of duty and everyone else because of how good a year this was i think that's going to get a lot smaller and the gap is going to get a lot smaller to the point where it's going to make xbox very concerned about its future going forward for call of duty yeah right and you know i'm looking at it too with uh you know with xbox taking over how how long it I don't think that those campaigns are going to be terrible for much longer. I think we're going to start seeing more quality put into them. Also, uh, you know, looking at the um, Call of Duty being what it is, I, I feel like Call of Duty is one of those franchises where people are a lot more forgiving towards it than most others. Like if if Bethesda put something out that was like super glitchy on day one, uh, people would you look at Fallout seventy six, right? Like they never heard the end of it. But I think you know there there are certain franchises where the fan base is a lot more forgiving when it comes to stuff like that once again it is call of duty modern warfare 3 it is available and out wherever you get your video games although apparently physical copies are not as prevalent as they once were but i'm sure still think that you can go ahead and find them rather easily if you do want a physical copy because it is call of duty but it's interesting, my friend. Again, as I said, I was just there conveniently at a different time. I was there getting doing something else. And just to see at the world's largest retailer, not seeing any physical copies at 7 in the morning, seeing no one in the aisle waiting for it, no one in the aisle wanting to buy it. It was just weird, man. It was just absolutely weird to see that on launch day for a Call of Duty game. Yeah, yeah, and I'm sure we're going to see that more and more as as more games come out. We're going to see less people going to getting physical copies, and they're going to be sitting at home just because, you know, look at it too, like on Xbox with Games Pass, you can preload games, like what, two weeks before they come out? Same thing with PlayStation. When Final Fantasy VII Remake came out, you could download and install the game a week before it released, and that way when it releases that launch, you're ready to play it, so... They're definitely, That's definitely, the reason why maybe digital might be a better way to go in some cases, my friend. Right, yeah. I mean, there are definite perks to it. I think just it kills the collectability side of it, though. That's, And I, I think that that's a bigger market than the digital market is. Well, again, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3, I, I don't doubt it's going to sell. But it's going to be an issue where I think it's closer to what ghosts or some of their other lesser performing. And when I say lesser performing, I mean, it's still number one, but they don't go wild because of the fact that it was a 
substandard Call of Duty release. I consider this as of now a substandard Call of Duty release, my friend. And I think that it's I think it's the right time. I think it's great because Activision their their ways of dealing with Call of Duty for so many years, they've just dealt with it. Oh, whether we have they bring out a good Call of Duty or a bad Call of Duty, they're still number one regardless. I think this is a wake up call. And as I, I sorry Xbox, you're getting a damaged product, but it gives Xbox the opportunity to say, you know what, maybe we can start bettering things for Call of Duty and the Activision label going forward a lot better. Blizzard, maybe we can start relying back more upon your your great work that you've had in the past on doing some things there. I just think it gives Xbox the opportunity to say, you know what, things are not going great now, but now that we go now that we own your companies, we can go ahead and put it back on a right direction going forward and bring a lot of other things that fans have been clamoring for for quite some time as well. Yeah, I'm going to say something controversial. I actually really enjoyed Call of Duty Ghosts. That was probably one of my favorite campaigns. But it is, of course, Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. It's out now. I mean, if you're a Call of Duty head, you already know about it. You already bought it, downloaded it. You might be playing on it. But we want to know, are you having the same issues that have been talked about the past few days in regards to the multiplayer maps, are you worried about the quality or did you try the single player campaign and thought the quality of the just the campaign was just not there? Please let us know your thoughts on if you've enjoyed your experience so far with Call of Duty Modern Warfare 3. Please let us know your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. If you're in the Las Vegas and Henderson areas and are looking to buy, sell, or trade the best in classic or current video games and pop culture collectibles, there's no better place to go than Retro City Games. From Xbox to PlayStation, Nintendo to Atari, the great crew at Retro City Games provides the best place to go for all your gaming options. Stop by their two awesome locations in Henderson and also the Las Vegas Strip or follow Retro City Games on Facebook and Instagram for all the latest deals and new items. Without a doubt, there's no better place to go for your gaming needs than your friends at Retro City Games. Almost out of here, my friend. And before we go, we're, I'm, sure, I'm going to make sure that you have plenty of time to go ahead and give some love to the Happy Hoarder and the special discount code, which I made sure that people would go ahead and have to wait for you to go ahead and give a big shout out on but before we head on out my friend netflix had its geek week and they showcase a lot of stuff that's coming out like stranger things because of the, you know the delays and the strike and all that good luck if that comes out in 2024 they still say 2024 but i kind of doubt it you know the umbrella academy probably won't see that until around this time next year would probably be my guess but they did showcase some things that are really liked including on the animation side what was the one thing first off before we really get into the details that from netflix's geek week that you really really thought hey this is really cool i can't wait to check it out i saw the devil may cry trailer and i actually got really mm-hmm. excited about that the Yu Yu Hakusho. Uh, knew you were uh, gonna say that. I do. Yeah. That's what I thought would be your number one. Do you Yeah. That. Well. So I'm. You know. I'm always been a hardcore Devil May Cry fan. But the uh, Yu Yu Hakusho looks really. It looks really cool. It looks. You know. It doesn't look like your typical anime adaptation. And I think that. Uh, you know. One Piece. It, it. One. You know. One Piece really started something. 
Yes, absolutely. So I I think it was, again, they've really scored well with one piece. Unfortunately, Cowboy Bebop didn't work quite as well. But, you know, with the, this, uh, you know, these animes brought to live action formats, I, I think a lot of people are really going to get excited about seeing what's coming up next there, especially after the success of One Piece. But it's the animation side. Arcane, which was one of the best animated series of, what, 2022? Uh, that is coming out with a new season coming up next year after everybody just gave it praise galore. I think IGN, I remember giving it a 10 from uh, memory serves correct. So that's coming out. I, I liked it. It didn't grab me as much as I thought it would because you know, all the hype going into it. But uh, again, it's coming out in 2024. The Terminator is going to come out with an anime series <laughs> sometime in the near future. That I'm looking forward to, my friend, because again, I understand that the Terminator IP has been done to death, but now it's been a, but you know, it's been a few years since the last go around with the Terminator. I think an animated series or an anime series can actually bring some new life to an IP that I think, you know, done in the right way is not dead yet. So I with, with Ter- Terminator is a weird property because you know Alien obviously something like Alien right is is would be hard to completely reboot because the the mythology all makes sense you know it's all very much tied together but Terminator the mythology in that universe has been watered not watered down but it's been it's so convoluted at this point because there's been so many like stories and retellings and time jumps and time changes and all all of that stuff and i think because of that it is prime for a complete remake at this point what do you think of that i would i would agree Uh, i would agree at this point you might want to go ahead and look down that maybe that's what this anime series will do maybe it will go ahead and retell the story to a new generation of fans in a different way and basically be able to go ahead and do it in a, in a fashion that's really good storytelling, which the first two Terminators were. Oh, Really yeah. good storytelling. Yeah. It was basic, but it was still, way it was presented, James Cameron really did a great job of, of to me, it's some of, still some of his best work. Sorry, Titanic. Sorry, Avatar. But to me, it's still much his, his best work his most enjoyable work to me. So I can't wait to go ahead and see what this may do to that IP once again. So I don't know. I, I, I'm excited for it in a way. I haven't been excited for a Terminator project in, well, when did Terminator 2 come out? Uh, what, 1980 something, somewhere 19, in there? The early 1990s, yeah. Late 1990s, yeah. Yeah, but I mean, if you look at it like right now, Terminator is a more relevant idea than any other science fiction property out there because, I mean, look at where we're headed right now with AI taking over everything. I actually just installed the updates on the Adobe Creative Cloud, and you can use AI now to edit photo and video. So, like, all these people who spent their lives going to school to learn how to do all this stuff are just, they're going to be obsolete here soon. Well, I'm looking forward to it, my friend, but it is uh, more. There is more to talk about when it comes to Netflix Geek Week. <sighs> Avatar, The Last Airbender. Mm-hmm. Your thoughts, my friend? Uh, they debuted some footage from it, so I want to hear your thoughts. Uh, is this something that you're going to be interested in watching when it comes out? 
Yeah, actually, it doesn't look too bad. It, it, but also, I said the same thing about M. Night Shyamalan's uh, Avatar or Last Airbender movie, too, and that ended up not being amazing at all. So I don't know. I don't know. I'm, I'm hoping to be pleasantly surprised. You know, I saw it's cool that they're actually, you know, allowing them to finish the Umbrella Academy. But what? OK, so I did not see any trailers for Jurassic World Chaos Theory. I wanted to ask you about that. What what is that? I think it's just a, it's an animated series for in the okay. in the realm of uh, Jurassic Park. So I'm not a huge Jurassic Park fan. I may catch it. I'm not sure if I will. But uh, again, for those out there that love the lore, this is another old IP that you know maybe seen better days after the Chris Pratt versions were kind of hit or miss, but it made a lot of money. So I guess that can't be too argument there. But Maybe now that a few years have been removed from the last iteration, maybe it's now time to get back into telling a renewed story in the Jurassic World universe once again. Yeah, yeah, because that, that that's another property that, that can't, there's not really any way for it to go forward except for it to be rebooted. So, I, yeah. I mean, and people might hate me for saying that, but yeah, that's another property <laughs> that seems like it, if they're going to keep reusing the IP, they need to just start over. One of the things that I did like, though, that was very, you know, I, after, especially after how she won the Academy Award, this woman is not stopping at all. She's she's worked so hard and worked so much and worked so frequently, and we've seen her in so many different things over the past few years. Michelle Yeoh is coming back, and it's oh going to be gosh. something right after the first of the year. It's on January 4th. It's the brother's son, and it looks really cool, and just having her doing something that might be of great interest in people out there she is just again at the top of her game and i'm so happy for for her success it looks like she's taking all these good sometimes it's not the best of projects like the witcher spinoff that wasn't exactly the best thing in the world Wait, what that wasn't good oh my gosh that's what you and i talked I'm about it on the show sarcasm yeah i hated it yes you did <laughs> If you want to check the archives on how really bad we hate it, just go check that out. But I'm looking forward to this. I saw the trailer of the brother's son and I really liked what I saw. Yeah. I I mean, honestly though, Michelle Yao was the only good thing about the Witcher. And so I will watch anything that she's in. I haven't seen the trailers for this, but already I want to watch it because Michelle Yao's in it. There you go. Absolutely. I mean, just a lot of good stuff. Uh, of course, there's another Masters of the Universe Revolution, and I do want to thank Netflix for reviving that He-Man Master of the Universe brand. Uh, you know, with Kevin Smith, the retelling of the Master of the Universe type stories and whatnot, so they've been able to take that IP and be able to now utilize it in so many different ways, so that's uh, that's been good on them to go ahead and do so. Uh, Rebel Moon is the one I want to talk to you about. They showcased another trailer for Rebel Moon, which I think the part one comes out next month, if I'm not mistaken. So I want to hear your thoughts on Zack Snyder's vision. I, it looks epic, but will it be epic with what we see with Rebel Moon? Yeah, I don't know. So I love Zack Snyder. My my whole family loves you know Zack Snyder stuff. And I know I always say like color palettes and all that, but he, he has some pretty amazing color palettes. Anyways, I'm excited about this, but Zack Snyder is one of those people when it comes to creating his own lore, like he gets his head like stuck up his own backside, kind of like uh, <laughs> Tetsuya Nomura, right? When it comes to some of his like Kingdom Hearts stuff and all that, like it just gets lost. It gets lost. Like it makes sense to him, but it doesn't make sense to anybody else. I'm hoping that this, it doesn't happen with this because I, I, I'm, I'm excited about it, you know, and I, 
this might be an opinion not everyone shares, but I actually really like Charlie Hunman as an actor. Like, I think that he's he's really great, and he's he just needs to be given the right role. So I'm hoping that this is you know one of those right roles for him. But yeah, I mean, right now I'm I am uh, I am cautiously optimistic that this is going to be a good movie. I am cautiously optimistic as well. I mean, Jimon uh, Honsu, one of my favorite actors, is also in this as well. So I'm really psyched about it. It's funny how he plays like in, this, in the last film, in Gran Turismo. He's just like only in a few minutes. He's the dad. Then all, you know, just plays a small role. Then all of a sudden he's playing like a much larger role in Rebel Moon as, you know, someone uh, as a warrior that uh, gets redemption and revenge now on the evil forces. You know, it's just like, my gosh. You know- that's yeah, the best that's the best way to use Simone is in a really juicy role like this. You know what's great too is uh they were both in that movie that we both agreed was the greatest film ever made in the form of Guy Ritchie's King Arthur movie. That is they not are, true. They are officially gonna, reunited, that, the dream team. No, 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 no. No, you guys could check the archives. Yeah, you can check the archives. Movie. Yes, it is one of the worst movies I saw that year. Absolutely. By worse, he means best. So, okay. The, yeah. Oh my gosh, I, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that you know nobody is out there complaining that they still you know, about the green screening in that movie. And so you could actually probably see the the stagehand holding up the green screen as they were doing those shots. Oh man, yeah, it, it, got it, it at was, a discount store. Sorry, it man. deserved it deserved more than it got, but. uh I digress. I, don't uh, I am. I, I'm. I'm excited about Rebel Moon. What are you excited? I mean, do you think it's gonna yes. swap or? I want to see an epic. I'm. I'm. I really want to get back into an epic film again. I want to get back into an epic. You know, especially with Dune, Part Two being pushed back to February. I really want to get into something. I really want to enjoy something. I really want to talk to you and melinda about something really again tj johnson i want to talk to him i really want to go ahead and we want to just have this kind of scuttlebutt on how good something is again something epic something big and i don't know if it is it just but i have hope that it might might do just that but uh it's nice to have a movie that's not already connected to a major franchise it's nice to be able to like look at a space epic and not have it be star wars or not have it be something that's a remake of of you know an old 80s novel or whatever but i'll tell you what it is netflix geek week if you have thoughts on it please let us know popculturecosmos at yahoo.com well my friend it's almost time to go but it's time for you to go ahead and give everybody the shout out on what's going on at the happy hoarder we have a special discount code right now. If you go on, this will be up there until January 1st. And it is Happy Holidays 23. If you use that mm-hmm. at checkout, uh, that'll get you 10% off your order. So definitely check that out. I'm trying to look at what my options are for Black Friday sales. So there'll definitely be some things on sale. So, Well, that's our next episode, my friend, is our annual Black Friday episode. Because all the Black Friday ads should be out. I understand Black Friday is out now for a lot of stores as far as pre-Black Friday or everybody's having their quote-unquote Black Friday sales. But the real Black Friday stuff, next week, we should by then have everything together sorted out for all the deals for Black Friday. And our annual Black Friday episode, looking forward to that as always. You know what's crazy to me is how stores do Black Friday stuff now is incredibly confusing. Black Friday is now a month. It's no longer a day. 
Right, right, right. And there, there are some things where you're like, oh, I'm going to get this on Black Friday, but then it ends up being on sale two weeks before Black Friday and then it's not actually on sale on Black Friday. It's really annoying. I hate it. Josh and I will be on next week talking about all the Black Friday deals at the Pop Culture Cosmos. So for Josh the Great Peterson of the Happy Hoarder and HappyHoarderCollectibles.com, this is Gerald Glassford. It's another beautiful day in paradise right here in the Pop Culture Cosmos. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great.